Welcome to the Heritage Free Will Baptist Church podcast. We are so glad you tuned in. If you haven't already, please subscribe. and That way you'll be alerted anytime we add new content. Also, if you haven't already, please share with your friends. Now, let's get to today's topic. I guess good morning. Now I'm still messed up. Every time we go to turn the camera, I'm all fine. I know what I'm going to say. We turn the camera on. I'm like, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever it is. Um, Getting excited. We are two Sundays away from being back in the building. Now I'm saying that providing that nothing changes. Um, The governor is obviously concerned about Berkeley and Jefferson County with the uptick of cases. Uh, Serious uptick very fast, uh, to be quite honest. course they think part of that may be the fact that a lot of people in these areas actually go down to the city to work and since they're loosening up restrictions that this is going to happen at this point it's just uh, we plan on being here June 7th um, good Lord willing uh, as long as uh, everything you know uh, stays good with the um, with the government and all that good stuff so I'd like to welcome you this morning I want you to turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 16 verses 13 through 18 now, Chris got talking. I thought he was going to steal my message for a minute because while I may not be starting in a scripture that uses foundation as its word, um, I'm going to be talking about the rock, which is the solid foundation. And later on, we'll actually go to a passage in the scripture where Jesus talked about a firm foundation. Um, the reason I, I, I'm, I've been on a journey for the last, how long we've we been out of church now as far as in the building here? Nine weeks, something like that. Um, You have to know as a pastor, I saw somebody post something today, a friend of mine who's a pastor down in Tennessee is like, regardless, there are churches right now that are opening. Some churches never closed, or I guess opening is not the right. There are some churches that are coming back to a building-based services. Some people never left the building. Um, Some people haven't yet felt comfortable enough to do in-church building yet. Of course, we're starting on June 7th. There are churches that are in all different phases, if you will, of all of this. And he says the one thing we have to agree on is to love each other and to not um, not judge each other or whatever. You know, for some that are opening, some are not. Some have a very uh, wide range of ages. Some churches have a lot of older people. There's all these things that go into making a decision about when to come back. I mean, to be quite honest with you, and it is hard on your heart. I just have to tell you that, and I can't stress that enough, how hard on the heart it is to try to make these decisions. Um, and so I, I've been praying for all my, my brother pastors uh, everywhere, uh, and also sisters of a lot of different people that make decisions. But we're excited about coming back. Uh, but listen, my heart has, uh, I've been really searching, asking my own self, I, this is my 14th year. I know that God is, has really um, got on my heart as far as understanding, you know, things like, uh, you know, we talk about repentance and we're going to be preaching on repentance again um, very soon. I've been working on some messages about that. But we know that repentance is, is, uh, is what, you know, our faith leads us into repentance. And repentance is when we truly uh, are baptized into Christ. You know, and I've really been worried about the, the, what we call the American gospel, the American version of the gospel, 
where instead of uh, instead of God inviting us into Himself, into fellowship with Him, we then instead hear a gospel where we invite God into our heart to live in the places that we make a little bit of room for Him. There's a huge difference. So the title of the message this morning is "Who is Jesus?" and "Do you know the real Jesus?" And I'm going to tell you why it's important, because another journey that I've been on through this whole process of the, these last weeks of having this building to ourselves a lot, kind of makes me wish we still had the baptistry up here, because Sal and I could have made a hot tub up in there and maybe got, you know, got a little one of them bubble machines or something. Uh, but we've had this building all to ourselves in here. And by the way, as big as this building is, this building is probably larger than your house. This building got small fast. My office used to be big. Now my office is tiny. And I just, I'm in my office. I'm like, this thing is so small. I need a bigger office. But Sal and I have both been on a journey through this process. Not only uh, just with this COVID stuff, but also with her health issues. All this stuff has had us on a journey. And I have to tell you that my heart is just troubled. Um, Stirred, maybe I don't know the I don't know even the right word, and I'm rarely at a loss for words. Um, but I have to tell you that you know it has made me start really searching end time prophecy is really taking a good look. You know, for a lot of time I grew up in, in, in a premillennial church that believes that we were going to be raptured before uh, you know before all the bad stuff happens. And I'm telling you, I start to read the scripture and I see something different. I mean, and I've been through Revelations more than once, but every time I've been going through Revelations, like in a study, it's been led by someone who, who had a premillennial outlook. Now, in school, they gave us all the different outlooks, premillennial, all-millennial, post-trib, mid-trib, all these different things, and all these different ideas of how the timeline in Revelations is going to play out and what it all means. And i got to tell you, these people have doctor degrees, and they can't figure this stuff out. So how am I supposed to... But I'm going to tell you, I found some key things in these scriptures that I've been reading that, that truly troubles me and, and really has me on a journey that, listen, if there's ever a time that we need to be solid in his word, it is now. There are some scary things coming. Very scary. And so we have to decide that do we want to know the truth of God? Because the truth of God is going to make him real big and us real small. Are you ready for that? Because that's something I think that the church struggles with. Is to realize is that it all revolves around Christ. Genesis to Revelation, it's about Christ. It's not about us. Do we want to go home feeling good about it? Do you really want to feel good about it? Do you want to go to the doctor? And listen, we've been through this. Do you want to go to the doctor and have him find cancer? But instead of looking you in the eye and telling you you have cancer and that you need treatment, would you rather have the doctor look you squarely in the eye and just tell you you're not feeling good right now, but listen, it's going to get better. And you're going to, you just keep doing what you're doing. Try to eat right. Try to get some sleep and get some rest. And things are going to get better. And you're doing great. You just stay at it and let you leave the office without ever identifying that you have something that is going to take your life. Is that the kind of doctor you want? Because that's the kind of church America wants. America wants a church where you, you, you fluff them up and make them feel better about themselves. But listen, without Christ, you are headed for hell. And in case you ain't figured it out, we are all despicable human beings. All of us. I found a video from a guy named Paul Washer. 
In 2002, they invited him to a youth conference put on by the Southern Baptist um, Convention. And Paul laid out a message that just went viral months after he had delivered it. You see, Paul had sat in that conference and watched. And the, the night before he preached, there was, a, there was a guy there who all he really did was laugh and tell jokes and, and never really even laid out any scripture, never challenged the young people there, never challenged them to grow closer to God. And yet when he gave an invitation, there were kids coming by the droves. He said, but they were laughing, high-fiving each other, and they come up, nobody mourning over their sin, nobody seeing themselves for the wretched person they are. And you know, he said something. He said something. I'm going to show you a video. He said something that really got my heart. It says, you don't have to teach a kid to be selfish, do you? You don't ever have to teach a child to be selfish. They are that by nature. You don't have to teach a, a child how to steal. You don't have to teach a child to be self-centered. Instead, we have to teach our children to share. We have to teach them that they're not the only person and that they, they, they need to, to be nice to others. These are the things we have to teach. Self-centeredness is our nature. And he gets to the heart of that. And so I'm going to show you a, a video of contrast. It's contrasting true biblical teaching Versus what people want to hear. And we have to decide what it is we want. Because church, I want to challenge you. First off, I want to challenge you this. Since we haven't been in the building, what have you been doing to promote the gospel? What have you been doing for Christ? Because listen, coming to church ain't one of them. First off, you ain't been able to do that. Second of all, coming to church is where you come to get fed. It is an honor for us to walk in the building and to be in the presence of God because he promises he would be here. We'd gather in his name and we come right to to actually to grow in him and to prepare ourselves for the journey ahead because we are to come and be prepared for the mission that God has for us. So I challenge you, what have you been doing for the sake of the gospel since we haven't been in this building? And not only that is why do you want to be back in the building? If you do want to come back, why? Is it social? <clears throat> or do you want to learn? Do you want to grow? Because listen, let me just kind of give you a heads up of what's coming down the pike. Now, I'm going to turn to Revelation chapter 13. I told you the text is Matthew 16, but I'll get to that in a minute. In Revelation chapter 13, it says this. And I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads, with ten diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on its heads. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard, and its feet were like a bear's, and its mouth were like a lion's mouth. And to it the dragon gave its power and his throne and great authority. One of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed. And the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast, and they worshipped the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is it like the beast who can fight against it? Now, I, listen, part of this, if you go back into Daniel, you'll see part of this uh, understanding the... Uh, the, the beast being like part like a leopard, like a bear. And it talks about different um, dynasties that have been like the Babylonian Empire and stuff. Uh, but then you have these these horns and the horns represent strength. And the word the number seven uh, represents also strength and completion. Right. And then you have these uh, you have these uh, these ten horns and seven heads. So that the horns are about strength and they have they have these crowns on them. And these are the, the, the world been separated at this point into like 10, to, to 10 divided nations. 
these ten nations. But you see what happens to all these nations come together and worship the one. And it says that one of the horns had a mortal wound. A lot of theologians say that that means that somehow this, this, this one who's rising into power, there's going to be an assassination attempt. And most likely he gets hit in the head. Maybe even wiping out one eye or something. But it's going to be a wound that people think that there's no way he's going to heal from. There's no way that this, this being is going to, to be able to heal. And it was a mortal wound. In other words, by anybody else's standard, they would have died. But guess what? This beast is going to survive. And people are going to say, man, there must be something special about this person. Because this person did not. Anybody else would have died, but this person didn't. There must be something special about him. And I bet you you're going to hear words like anointing and things like this. And listen, do you think people are going to worship the Antichrist because they have to? There's going to be something about them that they think gives them some extra power and is going to be able to do something for them that they can't do themselves. That's why people fall and worship others in power. It said, the beast was given a mouth uttering haughty and blasphemous words and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. If you go back in Daniel, you'll find out it's called the 70th week. It's, the, it's seven years of tribulation. So this is about the first three and a half years. That's 42 months, in case you don't know that. The only reason I know that is because of 42, right, thousand BTU units of three and a half ton. That's why I remember that stuff. And it's opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and dwelling. That is, those who dwell in the heavens. And it was also allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation. Do you see the rise in power? Now all of these nations, these ten nations are now come together under the headship of this one of authority. It says, and all who dwell on the earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life who was slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. Did you see this? It was allowed to make war on the saints and conquer them. For it to make war on the saints, guess who has to be here? It says, if anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to be taken captive to captivity, he goes. If anyone is to be slain with the sword, the sword, he must be slain. Here is a call for the endurance of and faith of the saints. That's how verse 10 finishes. Does that not bring fear? That's just the, listen, that's just the first half of chapter 13. It gets worse. You understand where I'm coming from? By the way, the end of 13, chapter 13, talks about this beast yet being given his power by a dragon, Satan. It says it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless it has the mark that is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for his number of a man and his number is 666. Guess what? Without that mark, you don't get to buy or sell. That means you can't go to the market and get food. Now, when is Jesus coming back in all of this? I ain't figured it out. But you know what it tells me? I need to endure. I need to prepare. Here is a call for endurance and faith of the saints. If there's ever a time to be wanting to know the truth, don't tickle my ears, Pastor. You cut it straight because our lives are at stake. If there's ever a time 
for truth and honesty in Scripture. Now listen, that doesn't mean we deliver it with anger. It doesn't mean we deliver it with judgment or a judgmental attitude or a judgmental spirit because it's not for mine to judge. But I want to know the truth and I've been digging in and I hope that you want to know the truth. And I'm asking you as a church to come back ready and prepared to roll our sleeves up together and do just that. Dig in to the truth. But if you want a contrast to what truth looks like versus what the scripture says, I want you to watch this video. We received yet another Paul Washer sermon where he is talking about the total depravity of man. And we simply juxtaposed it with what is a good sample of what is so much of modern day evangelicalism. See if you can tell the difference in their understanding of God and the centrality of the gospel being on him and not on us. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. I simply read this text one time preaching at a university and a young reporter came up to me and he said, I don't agree with your interpretation. And I said, young man, I didn't interpret the text. I read it. And he said, well, I don't agree. And I said, young man, let me tell you something. If I could pull out your heart right now, if I could take every thought you have ever had from your first waking moment until this very hour, if I could take every thought you've ever had, not just your deeds, but your thoughts, only your thoughts, and I could put them on a video, and I could show that video here in this auditorium tonight, you would run off of this campus and you would never show your face here again because you have thought things so wicked and so perverted you cannot even share them with your closest friend. As a matter of fact, if your closest friends knew some of the thoughts you've had against him, he would no longer be your friend. Enough negative things pulling us down and I try to give people a, a, you know, a boost for the week to make it practical and relevant. And young man, I do not know that because I'm a prophet. I know that because it's what the scriptures say and I know that like you, I too am a man. I can say the same thing about every one of you here tonight. Our goal is to just help anybody from every, any faith to improve their life. You would spend every ounce of energy to hide from everyone in this room what has gone through your mind just in the last hour. Don't tell me Scripture's not right when it talks about all men having sinned because all men are sinners. I'm trying to help people improve their life and using the principles in God's Word. No, I'm trying to help us live an abundant life while we're here on this earth. And the Lord smelled the soothing aroma, and the Lord said to himself, I will never again curse the ground on account of man, for the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth. This can mean evil from childhood, evil from a babe. Imagine for a moment an 18-month-old baby that you're holding in your arms. And that 18-month-old baby sees that shiny watch on your wrist. And he grabs for your watch. And you pull his hand away and say no. He begins to cry and move about in your arms. He reaches for the watch again. You grab his hand and say no. He begins to scream and cry. He reaches for the watch again. You say no. He begins to frail his arms even in the direction of your face. I submit to you that if that 18 month old baby had the strength of an 18 year old man he would slaughter you there where you stand father. Rip the watch off your arm and walk across your bloody body out the door without feeling an ounce of remorse. 
I've always been an encourager, a motivator. This is just the message that comes out of me, I think, just to naturally motivate people. And I do want people to become better fathers and better husbands and better employees and better leaders. You see, here's something you need to understand. Hitler was not an anomaly. Hitler was not a phenomenon. Hitler was what everyone in this room has the potential of being. And not only that, you need to understand, even in all the, all the wickedness of Hitler, Hitler was still restrained by the common grace of God. And you need to know this, that if it were not for the common grace of God restraining you in your unconverted state, you would make Hitler look like a choir boy. What we do not understand is what Scripture teaches about men. Men are evil. You have so much in you. There's so much more you can accomplish. You say, well, I don't agree. That's because you've grabbed enough of Christianity to stand, but you don't believe the Bible. The Scripture's testimony against you and all men is that we are born with evil. And we are evil. Do you have to teach a child to lie? Do you have to teach a child to be self-centered? Do you have to teach a child to be selfish? Do you have to teach a child to be brutal to other children? They learn that on their own. Set them free. Discipline them not and see what you have in ten years. A monster. Why? Because what Scripture says is true. And you hold your ears and you say, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. In the same way that a person dying of cancer is in denial and says to the doctor, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. But by cupping the hands over your ears, you close yourself off from any remedy. It's about having good relationships. It's about having peace in your mind. It's about having uh, healthy bodies. To me, I'm saying that God wants you to be blessed and just to be happy in every area of your life. Are you noticing a difference? Do you notice that one is man-centered and one is God-centered? That one elevates man in his goodness, the other one drives man to his face so that God can be recognized for his goodness? Bible calls... I think you kind of get the idea. We see two different, two different things here. We see someone who's laying out the scripture, and by the way, that guy's a very loving guy. I know he didn't. I forgot to tell the rest of the story, by the way. So he saw one guy making a lot of funny stuff, and the kids responded. But then the next guy who spoke was a Muslim who had just a wonderful testimony of how he grew up a Muslim, but yet found Christ, and God changed his life drastically. And it said they just sat there. And when he gave a, an invitation to allow God to do something special in their life, hardly anybody responded. He's like, is this is what we come to? That we just respond to what makes us laugh or we respond to what just kind of hits us and that we like. And he said he just fell on his face and he just knew that God wanted him to <clears throat> deliver a message of truth and challenge their hearts. By the way, he started off the message. I'll watch the whole message in its entirety. And he started off the message like this. He said, some of you in this room, and no doubt that when, if you were to leave this walk of life today, you would stand before a holy God and you would enter into his presence and live with him forevermore. And they clapped. He said, some of you, if you were to leave here today, thinking that you're okay because you remembered a time that you prayed a prayer. He said a prayer that's nowhere in the scripture. You've heard me say that how many times? Somebody asked me one time, where's the sinner's prayer in the scripture? It's not. Jesus preached repentance. He said, and there'll be people who think that they're absolutely fine and they have confidence before God, but it's a false confidence, a false confidence because they haven't been told the truth 
And their confidence lies in the fact that they one time prayed a prayer. And if they were to stand before God today, they would split hell wide open. Serious. In the word of God. Because what does it mean to really call him Lord? So I'm going to start a message today that I will end. I don't know when it will end. It will continue. I'm sure it will continue not only in my preaching but Brother Kevin's. Uh, because I believe God wants to do a work. I believe that God wants a real true revival. Not an emotional experience, but a revival of people that are hungry to know God's word because they know what the alternative is. Are we ready for that? In your Bibles, Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18, it says this. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do you say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let us pray. Father, we love you. And Lord, we just pray, Lord, today that your blessing will be upon us, Lord, to preach your word, Lord, as it is written. Lord, not how we see it, but Lord, but how you said it. Father, we pray for those, Lord, that maybe just maybe their hearts are wandering, minds are racing. Father, I pray, Lord, that we can just, Lord, that we can just have a hunger for you and your word. Lord, that you would use us in a mighty way. Lord, not to have some superficial walk with you where we say all the right words and we don't say those other words. But Lord, not, not a superficial, but Lord, but a true relationship where we actually love and care about others and that we want to, Lord, give them the good news. Lord, not that you can make our life better, but Lord, that you can rescue us from the damnation that is upon us. Because without you, we will not see your glory. Without you covering us, Lord, we will not be able to stand before the judgment. We will stand guilty. Father, we want to be covered by your righteousness. Lord, we know that that is not an e that is not a, Lord, that's not just a thing to be taken light in, in a light way. But Lord, but it is something very serious and sincere. Lord, to call you Lord means to give up our control and live under your headship. Lord, help us to do that today. In your name we pray. Amen. This is a very popular passage of Scripture. I'm sure that you've heard it many, many times. Uh, believe it or not, it's actually a Scripture that's contested by a lot of different people as far as what its real meaning is. And so how do I know what it means? Uh, I will tell you through lots of prayer. Uh, realize today that the Holy Spirit in our life, the Holy Spirit, uh, we, we were, Sal and I were, Sal and I got to this point now where we are YouTube junkies, right? Um, YouTube junkies, when it comes to preachers, um, I, I got a little jealous of Francis Chan for a little while. Sounds like he's just an amazing preacher. I, I mean, it's, imagine her telling you that right before you go to preach. He is an amazing preacher. What am I? Uh, chopped liver or, or something like that, you know? Um, but it's amazing. So we were watching actually um, that 
was from the guy who put the video together was from the Wretched Network. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Uh, it's a really cool. Uh, I don't know if it's a, you'll call it a radio show. I don't know what kind of show you call it. Podcast, YouTube thing. Um, but we were watching several uh, Bible teachers, John MacArthur um, and uh, Justin Peters and a few others uh, talk about the anointing and the anointing that is promised us, that is given to us upon repentance is, is, is the Holy Spirit being upon us that helps illuminate the scriptures so that we may understand it. I, he just the way he explained that it was just uh, it's really amazing. You need to watch that. And so we know that the Holy Spirit helps us understand this, but I'm going to I'm, I'm going to show you the difference between two words. So you kind of helps you understand if you've ever raised around Catholics, you'll hear that they call, you know, they, they call Peter the first pope. And, and they will specifically sometimes talk about this passage, because when when, when Jesus asked, who do you you know, who do they you know, who am I? And they said, you know, when he says, what, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah. But then he says, so who do you say that I am? Of course, Peter being the first one to speak up, right? That seems like Peter's character. You know, he's, the, the first question is, who, who are they saying that I am? But that's not the real important thing. The real important thing is, who do you say that he is? And he's challenging their heart. Do you understand who I am? Do you get it? Do you get who I am and why I've come here? And then Peter spoke up and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then when Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. And you know what he's getting saying here? So listen, it's not you, Peter, in yourself don't understand that. The only way we can understand who Christ is, is through the love of God and the grace of God that reveals himself to us. We, under our own power, will not even seek God in ourselves. I don't really have the power to do that. But yet that common grace that he talked about, that grace that is given to us, where God draws our heart and we seek him because of the drawing of the Holy Spirit that is given us. And he says, flesh and blood didn't teach you that. It wasn't the, it wasn't the, the, the priests, the, uh, you know, the rabbis that taught you that. The Spirit had revealed that. He says, but my Father who is in heaven has revealed that to you, Peter. And I tell you, you are Peter. Now think about it. He said that, listen, he is Christ. But he looks at Peter and you are Peter. He said, you, you may, you, you're starting to get and understand who I am, but I know who you are too. Because don't forget, Jesus reminded Peter, right? Peter thought he was all that. All these other guys are going to fail you, Lord, but I won't. I'll go to my death. He said, man, but before the, the rooster even crows, you're going to deny me. Not me. Jesus knew who he was talking to. You are Peter. You get, yeah, you, you, you're starting to get who I am. I, I am the Christ and you're Peter. I know you too. It says, and on this rock, I will build my church. So who, a lot of people think that they talk about Peter, the rock, because Peter's name means the rock. Well, Peter's name and when Jesus says on this rock are two different words. You see, Peter's name in the, in the Greek would have been Petros. So think about this. You are Petros, the rock. And he didn't say this. And on this Petros, that's not what he said. He says, you are Petros, the Greek word for Peter. Or at least it's written in the Greek here in the New Testament. Petros. It says, but and on this 
Petra. He is Petros. On this Petra means something different, but yet the same. You see, Peter's name, Petros, is a rock or a stone. It's a, it's a piece of the rock. But on this rock, Petra means mass of rock, large stone, massive cliff. You see the difference? You are Peter, but on this rock, himself, him, the chief cornerstone, Peter would write in his first letter to the churches and actually talk about this very thing. He would elaborate. So how do we interpret Scripture with Scripture? So in 1 Peter chapter 2, it says this, As you come to Him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices accepted to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, the cornerstone is when you're building a building. The cornerstone is the one that is absolutely true. And the rest of the building is laid out based upon the cornerstone. If the cornerstone's off, the building will not be level. If the, the cornerstone is off one way, it has to be absolutely true. Because everything else in the building is built upon that cornerstone. And that cornerstone has to be right. It says that he is the chief cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. He's telling Peter, Peter, yeah, you're Petros, you're, you're, a, you're a stone, but I am the rock. You're a rock, I am the rock. And so Peter elaborates kind of on this in his first letter saying, listen, that we are all stones that are building upon a church being built upon the chief cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ. So listen, and so the church being built upon Jesus Christ means that we have to understand who he is in his trueness and not who we think he is. You see, when he asks us, who do they say that I am? It's one thing about those people who weren't walking with him, but then he looks at his disciples, but who do you say I am? Because a lot of people will say a lot of things about Jesus. A lot of people will use the name Jesus. A lot of people will say they believe in Jesus. But they couldn't be a father from the truth. Because listen, they get something wrong about him. It's all wrong. Because Jesus said that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And anybody who says they believe in Jesus but think there's any other way to heaven other than surrendering their life to him... It's not about Him coming into our life. It's about us being baptized into Him. Amen? We, we want, I want Jesus to come. Listen to how we deliver the gospel these days. Is your life bad? Yeah. Are things tough for you? Yeah. Would you like it? Would you like your life to be better? Yeah. Well, you know there's Jesus who loves you. Do you want to be loved? Yeah. Do you want to go to heaven? Yeah. Do you want to ask Jesus into your heart? Listen, where do I come off with the ability to ask Jesus to come into my heart? It's only by His grace that I can even want Him to begin with. It's only by His calling of His Holy Spirit that because of His great love for me that I can even think about seeking Him. Who is it for me to ask Him in? It's Him asking me into a fellowship and relationship with Him, amen, where He becomes Lord and I worship Him and adore Him and allow Him to have total sway over my life. His will becomes my will. 
You see, that's the gospel of the Bible. That's the Jesus that we're talking about. The chief cornerstone, all is built upon him. The problem is a lot of people are building their lives on what they think Jesus is, and they're headed for a devil's hell because it is not the truth. Why? Because the gospel centers around them instead of around Jesus Christ. Because of the way we deliver the gospel today. And I have also been guilty of it as well. Not truly, listen, I'm going to tell you, it's been to the point, I've talked to preachers. Well, we'll give an invitation. Listen, if you don't want to walk forward, I get it. I get it. You know, but right there where you're standing, listen, the time for that is absolutely over. Because if you want Jesus, then coming out and walking down the aisle shouldn't be a problem. And if it is, you don't want him. You just want fire insurance. You want to feel better about yourself. If you're not willing to get up from where you're sitting or standing and get out and listen, if you're too ashamed to come down and fall on your face before God and listen and honestly repent and confess to Him who you really are and truly understand that you're dying on your way to hell and you're absolutely despicable before Him and only through the love of God can you even think about being in His presence. If you're not willing to do that, you might as well just sit on down. Us making an offering. Listen, I've done it, folks. You know, that's what breaks my heart. Is I have done this very thing. And now I, my heart is broken before God that I have done this. I pray for another chance to deliver one more invitation in a way that is consistent with the Scripture. Instead of dumbing it down and watering it down in hopes that, that you might take a nibble today and maybe be a little more hungry tomorrow. You see, that's not the way we come to Christ, is it? That's not how we come. Listen, I don't know what you've been doing for the last nine weeks, whether you've been watching, preaching or not. I don't know. But if you love Jesus, then you ought to have desired Him and wanted Him as much while we ain't been in this building as you are while we are here. And if you haven't been taking in God's Word while we haven't been here, then maybe you've been coming to a social event. And the time for social events and heritage is over. It's time to deliver the gospel. Why? Because when I read the end time prophecies, listen, time is not on our side. Is it? Comes not on our side. Jesus said to keep his commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. So if we struggle in keeping his commandments, then we have to be struggling to love him. And if we're struggling to love him, then we've never seen ourselves in truly need of a savior. Because when I see myself in the mirror, I can't help but to love him because I know who I am. And when he describes these, these terrible looking creatures in Revelation... These, you think about all these horns and all that. I wonder sometimes if that's not what we look like on the inside. You ever watch one of them horror movies where somebody's all nice and all of a sudden rah, they become this terrible demon? Then all back. I believe that. I think that's kind of what we look like on the inside. Who Jesus says he is is of the utmost importance. It's not to be confused with who we think he is or who we want him to be. One of the most sad things I've ever heard 
And, and, and although we tried to say something about it, he just wasn't, didn't want to hear it. But I remember my father-in-law says, you know, me and Jesus got our own thing. We got our own understanding. No, you don't. No, no you don't. And neither does anybody else listen to this. You ain't got your own way. We got the way. The way, that's it. That's all there is. No, all roads don't lead to, he lead to heaven. No, that's absolute lie out of the pits of hell. It doesn't work that way. Well, I believe in Jesus, but I don't think Jesus is like you say. He is. Listen, don't take my word for it. Take his word for it. Don't believe mine. Listen, I challenge you to read the first four chapter, the first four books of the New Testament. Just read what Jesus said. Just read what he read the words in red and see if you don't come to the same place that we're talking about today. Because if you don't, listen, I'll give you my paycheck. If you don't, Sal's over here like. If you don't come to the same place, honestly, it's because you don't want to believe. Just read the red letters. Get your red letter edition. Just read the red letters. Don't read anything else. I think of Crowder, that song, right? Red letter. I love that song. If I just read the red letters, I'd come to understand repentance and my need for Jesus in my life. If I just read those, I'd come to understand his love for me. And I'd come to understand that I am despicable without him just by reading those red letters alone. But there's so much more. Does Jesus love us? Does he love you? Yes. Unconditionally? Yes. Did Jesus come to die so that you could have a higher self-esteem? No. This is not about your self-esteem. Matter of fact, the worst thing that you could do is leave here feeling better about yourself. That doesn't mean I, should, in judgment, should sit in judgment on you and tell you what you're doing bad. That's not what I'm saying. But listen, what we should say is when we take a good look at who we are honestly, the only reason I should walk out these doors feeling better about myself is to know that I'm a child of God and that I am covered by his righteousness. That and that alone. You know, I, I just, and I know that it was, it was almost kind of satire the way the video was put together of listening to Paul Washer and then listening to something that, that Joel Olstein said. But, but if you see the danger in how much easier it would be to listen to someone who tells me that I'm basically a good person. But do you realize that is anti-scriptural? Because the Bible in here never said, matter of fact, it says there is nothing good in me. Nothing good. From a baby, I have been self-centered. I have wanted for me. Is Jesus worried about us having our best life now? No, the scriptures tell us something totally different. No, he's not. Did Jesus come so that, that he could be brought into to live into your heart where you're at? Take up a little bit of space? Or did Jesus come and sacrifice himself so we could be baptized into him? And into his suffering? There's a big difference. Romans chapter 6 verses 1 through 4 says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? In other words, did Jesus come for our lives not to change? It says, by no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too may walk in the newness of life. By his grace alone, in Christ alone. Because of his great love for us, 
We are baptized into him. It's not about him coming to live in our heart. It's about our heart being fully devoted to him and living in him. Paul said in him we live, move, and have our being. If we build our lives on those, on, on who we think Christ is or what we think he teaches, we might find our lives collapsing before our very eyes. Here are some of the notes that I have made to myself over the last week. We may find our marriages falling apart. We may find our children going far from Christ in a deep danger. We may find ourselves with, with, without contentment and peace. We will start questioning how important the whole church thing even is after devoting myself to it because I'm still feeling empty. We will start seeking, seeing others as despicable and ourselves as good. We will seek out teaching that makes us feel better about ourselves. We will have a false sense of security. And God forbid we may wake up in judgment only to be sentenced to hell for all of eternity. The American gospel makes man the center of the story. And that love, the love that God has for them to make their lives on earth here better. Your best life now? Is that what we're after? Look at what Jesus said. Now these... These are red letter words. These are red words. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27 says this. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Thank you, Chris, for setting this up for me. I appreciate it. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Petra. Not Petros, not built on Peter's understanding. Yes, Peter did identify him as the Christ, but this is like, I'm not building the, the church on you, Peter. But instead, Peter, I'm going to build the church using you. I'm going to build you up in me. Upon your understanding of who I am, Peter, me being Christ, I'm going to build my church at the gates of hell when I prevail against it. It says, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and, it, and great was the fall of it. That sure foundation. I saw Chris sent the song list out. I'm like, boy, oh boy, oh boy. And he made it the last song before we started preaching. It just don't get no better. He did not even know this only God can do things like that. Yeah. Only God can do that. I was just, and I just thought about the words because I, I was also uh, how firm a foundation is another good song, uh, and, and I was just looking at all these old hymns. And the cornerstone actually takes that original hymn in the very beginning of that song and kind of expounds it. And I just, I absolutely love that song. And I thought, boy, you don't even know, but God did upon that sure foundation which is Jesus Christ and him truly who he is, the son of the living God, fully human, fully God, who gave his life for us. Not for our lives out here to be better, although it will, but not in the way that we see when we are not walking with him. You see, when we're not walking with God, we think life here is when I don't have to worry about money, when my relationships are going great, right? And everything's going my way and I am being lifted up and exalted as something really cool and great and I'm being recognized. But, but it's never enough, is it? You make it to one level, what do you want to do? Get to the, now, remember playing Mrs. Pac-Man in the arcade? Waka, 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 waka. And you finally get one screen, you ate all the dots. That's what we used to do, kids, we ate dots. Now they have all these high graphics. We spent just a terrible amount of time 
with this little yellow thing with a bow on the top of it, eating dots. And some dots were bigger than others and glowed. I mean, it was high tech. Waka, waka, waka. And then you get, you get, you get hit by one in ghost. Remember that? But if you get through that screen and then you get that you eat all the dots in one screen and you eat another one and then you get the third one and all of a sudden here comes Miss Pac-Man and Pac-Man and they get married. Y'all remember that? Level three. But you get to level three, what do you do? You feed more quarters in the machine. Why? I get to, I get to level four. If you get to level four, I get to level five. Never happy. I don't know about you, but it was something to go in an arcade with a pocket full of quarters. Man, listen, I think we were rich. Go in there and get ourselves a stool. So we can sit down, get it, get get loose. <sighs> Put a quarter in, <laughs> or Galaxy, or whatever that game. <laughs> Did I hit that fire button? Look, hand gets tired. You switch hand, ambidextrous. <laughs> Got to get to the next screen. Never happen. That's what life feels like, huh? Walk, 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 just eating dots. So monotonous. And that's what life feels like without Christ. Because you may have everything going, I got to level three, but you know what? Level four exists. Now I got to level four. At what point do I beat the game? And that's what life feels like without Christ. Life with Christ doesn't mean everything's going to be great. It just means that I know that this life is going to do nothing but make heaven more beautiful. But I'm here for a moment, I'm here for a time, and I'm here for a purpose, which is so, what somebody without Christ doesn't have. They don't have a purpose. They think purpose is getting to level three. But when they get to level three, now level four exists, and they got to get to level four. And so my purpose is level four. But then I get to level four, now there's level five. Now my purpose is level five. My purpose keeps changing. Listen, in Christ, my purpose doesn't change. It is to bring Him glory and take every opportunity to share Him. And He's the one who gets to set that up. I just have to live in Him and have, and listen, and, and and, and allow his will to be my will. I just got to do what he brings my way and trust him that he will always take care of me and not, not lay treasures up for myself here. Instead, to realize that with every good deed that is done for him, I'm laying a treasure up in heaven. Not for gain here, not to be seen by others. Listen, you can't take a selfie and lay treasures up in heaven this way. You know what I'm saying? Hey, I'm feeding. You ever, you ever wonder about the other people in the picture? That person who's doing good. Look, I'm feeding the hungry. Well, it must really stink to be the hungry man in the picture. Now, everybody who now recognizes him from that picture is going to realize that he needed help. I mean, are we that self-centered that i got to show everybody I'm doing something great, even if it hurts the feelings of everybody else around? That's why we don't take pictures up in the clothing closet. Don't want to expose people to have a need. Don't want to exploit them so people can see how good we are. If we take pictures, we take them without people in there just to show that we're here. This is what we have. Come get it. Amen. We don't show ourselves doing that stuff. So let me share with you two things real quick. Just two things I want you to understand in Christ. And we're going to build upon this for many weeks to come. Christ came to set us free from sin. Not to make us feel better about living in it. Romans chapter 6 verses 5 through 14 says this. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. 
Now, how am I united in a death like him? I die to self. You see, it's no longer about Huff. It's about him. We shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin may be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For death, for the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Verse 12. Then let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make, it, to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. Christ didn't come to make sin easier or make us feel better about living in it. He came so we may die to it and live with him. Now, I'm not talking about sin as the thing that other people make up a list that you can't do or can't. Do you ever notice that? Everybody got a list? I'll believe there are some things that I can't do that you can't. But there's some things that I struggle with that I would do in excess if I do them. But you don't because you don't have that passion or you don't have that, that personality. No, I'm not trying to be wishy-washy. I believe there are some things that I can't do that maybe you can't. There's something that the Bible says there's a, there, uh, there's a stricter code that I, as a preacher, must live to. But listen, James says, to know right and not do it is sin. And so that's something that you got to, listen, that, that doesn't mean that you can, well, everybody can have their own thing with God. No, I'm, listen, there are some things that are absolutely, we know, on the books, right? Killing. But remember, killing is not just physical. Don't kill a man's spirit. That's what Jesus said. Yeah, the law says, thou shalt not kill. But I'm telling you, if you call a person a fool, you're in danger of hellfire. Right? Not to have any other gods before him. Remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. Right? There are laws that pertain to our relationship with God, and there's laws that pertain to our relationship with man. Jesus says it all hinges under these two things. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, love your neighbor as yourself. There are a lot of these other things that some people believe they can't do. And listen. Paul writes about that in his letter to the Corinthians. There were some people that had been saved from, from that pagan worship and the meat that was offered in the, in the meat stores had maybe had been used in, a, in an offering in one of those pagan gods and it bothered their conscience. Paul says just meat. If it don't bother you, eat it. It's fine. But if it does bother you, don't. But he said this. If you know that your brother, it bothers him and he comes to your house to eat, don't you dare offer him meat. That'll bother his conscience. Don't you dare do it. He also said, when you go to someone's house, whatever they sit before you, eat it. It's fine. Remember how much of a restriction they had, a dietary restriction? These people slaved over this. I mean, it, it really bothered them. If you've ever been to an Orthodox Jewish house, you will find that they got two kitchens. I mean, it's very serious about that stuff. Paul said, that food ain't going to hurt you. But see what I mean? Some people that conscience bother them, they can't do that. There are some people I know that have been saved and they grew up where it wasn't okay for women to wear pants and they just can't wear pants to church with a good conscience. And if that's the case, then make sure you wear a dress. If it bothers you, deal with it. 
But don't be busting up somebody else because they feel good in a pair of Wranglers. Amen? You see, a lot of times we start talking about sin, we want to get into little things. God's freed us from that. But listen, when we walk with Him, instead of Him trying to, trying to fit Him into our life, if we'll be baptized into Him, then God will tell us when we're... He'll let us know when we're off track. And listen, when your conscience speaks to you and He speaks to you through your conscience and tells you that's wrong, guess what you need to do? Let it alone. Let it alone. You can trust Him. You can trust Him that He will let you know when you're off course. He came to free us from sin. And this, Christ expects sacrifice from those who follow Him. This is the tough one. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 through 27, it says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever will save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Take up your cross and follow him. Think about that. Cross, an instrument of torture. It says that if we're going to follow him, we've got to deny ourselves. And you know what that means? Life no longer revolves around us. Do you see what health and wealth does? Health and wealth says it's about you. It's about you having your best life. It's about you being pretty a good person. It's about you, man, you're a good person. You just need a little cleanup. A little polishing on some edges. And life will be better. That's what health and wealth is about. But listen, that's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our life must be built on the truth. Him is Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. We have to desire and want truth. And then set everything in our life in course with Jesus Christ. That line that comes off that chief cornerstone will give us a direct path to Him. If we'll follow it. It's time that we start claiming to the truth. Quit giving ourselves excuses and outs because if we're doing that, then one has to question himself, do you really call him, is he really Lord of your life? Or are you calling the shots? It's time we grow up and start to mature. Because the days for drinking milk is over. We need to start getting onto the meat and make sure that we grow accordingly because tough times are coming. And if you're not careful, you'll believe the lies that are going to be told by these leaders who are going to want to take over and tell you that, you know what, you don't need to worry about it. I got you covered. I got you covered. You don't need to worry about that. I got these things. And the faith, instead of being placed in God, it'll be placed in, the, in man's ability to care for them. And they'll be so easily tricked because they'll most likely use words that, that, that resonate with us. Those, you know, those, those Jesus words. Like Jesus and love and caring and heaven. Anointing, glory, all those words. Those words that are familiar to us. Well, that sounds like a Jesus word. That word's in the Bible. That, that sentence is in the Bible. I can take any verse in the Bible and twist it the way I want if I don't compare it to any other scripture. Because there's going to be a hard time coming. Sooner or later, we're going to have to make a decision. Am I going to follow Christ and trust his ability to feed me and clothe me? Because if we're here during that time that we read in Revelation chapter 13, and I hope we're not, but if we are, then we're going to have to make that decision. Well, I trust God to take care of me and my family. Would I rather take this mark so that I can feed myself? 
That's going to be the hard question. Will I trust him at that point? If I can't trust him now, will I trust him then? Times haven't got that hard because we haven't trusted him to death, have we? We've only trusted him to, to what others think about us. We have a hard time doing that. I don't want to come off this too Jesus-y. <laughs> it's time to get jesus Have to trust him. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you for this. Lord, it's time that we've had in your word. And Father, we just pray today, Lord, that our hearts will just truly have a hunger for you. But Lord, I pray that we'll take the time to question ourselves who you really are. And am I truly trusting you as the Bible lays it out or just what I think that I want you to be? Lord, if some hearts are convicted today, then I pray, God, that you will speak to them. And that, Lord, that they'll take the time, Lord, to, to be in your presence. And to, Lord, and to deal with that. And to repent. Lord, we love you. And we know that you love us. You've shown us your love. And we don't doubt it. But, Father, we want to make sure that everybody knows the real you. And I don't want to lead them astray. And I don't want to make them some lame offer of life will be better if you just pray this prayer. Lord, I want to tell them about your love and how you are calling us into yourself. Lord, to have a true relationship that we can have a relationship, Lord. We know that that relationship was broken because of sin, but Lord, we can, we can come back into fellowship and have peace with the Father because of what you did for us on the cross. Lord, may we desire that peace above all others. We pray this, Lord, in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Amen.